This is Confessions of Coconuts, episode 38. Hi, I'm Coco. And I'm Cashew. Hi, Cashew. Hi. How are you? I'm pretty okay. You know, earlier I was like reading my lessons or whatever, and I was like exhausted. I was falling asleep while reading Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from a Birmingham jail or something. I was like, I'm so tired. But now I am not tired, probably because I like ate or something. I don't really know. Yeah. A- eating is a foreign um, activity for you, isn't it? Not necessarily. I eat. I do. Yeah. It, it happens. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, since you don't know what happens is that, you know, she wakes up around nine. Yeah, because she's homeschool, you know, and then her first meal and drink of the day is at 3 p.m. Well, I don't, that's only been happening, like, kind of recently. Like, I don't know. It's kind of weird. I don't really know what that happens. I wake up and I'm like, ah, I'm cool. (laughs) I don't need food right now. Then I'll, like, do schoolwork or, like, browse the web or whatever until it's time that I feel hungry. Or it comes the time where one of them forces me to eat either cocoa or I don't do that any longer. Yeah. If she wants to die... I guess it's her wish. I can't really. <laughs> she wants to die. I, I can't guess really her stop wish. her, you know. But um, it's just sad that because you know, growing teenagers, growing children, they are supposed to eat so they can grow properly. I guess Kashu here is not gonna grow properly. Hi, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't. I, I. I don't know. I just like I'm not hungry. But like when it comes to the days when I'm at work, like. I have to eat food at like breakfast or whatever and then I have to eat food for like lunchtime or even like snacks because I'm like I'm hungry it's like weird but home I can be like I can go like six hours without eating anything you know like drink some water but well, otherwise, it's kind of strange when I am working from home I eat all the time and P loves when I'm home because she's like what are you cooking what are you what are you eating what is for snack what is for dinner i was like come on man yeah if only if you actually <gasps> cooked all the time well but which i alas. do when i am home yeah, yeah but it's not like cool meals that we can all eat excuse all me you don't like raw food that's not a cool meal <laughs> it is. i'm talking about like cool cool meals i'm talking about like cool meals like i don't know maybe um uh maybe like a lasagna oh or maybe like she just want processed foods folks that's what i'm talking about is good food good Good food is not processed food my child you need a salad on the side or something (laughs) i don't want to eat cauliflower rice nobody eats cauliflower rice are you kidding me my goodness i mean no one except you (laughs) and me sometimes when there's no rice in the stupid house well she did eat today some very amazing heaven salad from uh, me it was made out of uh, cauliflower now what's that one cabbage cabbage i don't understand <laughs> she also uses cauliflower and cabbage and i don't understand how do you confuse cauliflower and cabbage they're i two don't know they're both items. white no they're not cabbage is like green i know and right? purple sometimes yeah 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 i don't like cauliflower is white yeah yeah it's very, that's they, just they look silly. entirely different it's like silly, comparing silly. a carrot to potato <laughs> silly silly i'm sorry i'm sorry 
But anyway, you were saying you were reading about Martin Luther King? Yeah. What was it about? For my lessons, you know, dreaded AP Langen composition. Um, you know, we love that class in this house. Um, I just rubbed my eyes very dramatically. Um, yeah, so I hate that class. And thank God school's almost over. So I only have one more unit left once I get caught up. But um, for my lesson right now, I have to do, the lesson is called editorial. So I have to do these three assignments. One, I have to read the, the paper, the letter that he wrote, letter from a Birmingham jail, which is one of like his most famous writings or whatever. Mm-hmm. He wrote it while in a jail. The, the, I get the assignment and all that, but I want to talk more about the letter itself. What did he say? Because I don't think I read it. Well, obviously you didn't. I know you didn't. What, uh, excuse me? <laughs> Why would you say obviously? You don't seem the type who just casually reads historical literature. Oh, come on. She, she just have no historical faith in me. American literature for that matter. Oh. The only thing that I know just you ever consumed that was about Martin Luther King was that Selma movie. <laughs> Otherwise, I like don't even know like what Martin Luther King content you've absorbed. Wow, you've probably driven on some sort of Martin Luther King Boulevard or something, <laughs> but that has nothing to do with this. Do you think so little of me? But go ahead and tell me know. about I'm this letter, girl. Most people have not read this letter. I have never read this letter, but this letter, right? So I didn't even finish it. It's so long. Who freaking writes a letter? But what was like the moral of the story? Well, okay. You're not letting me finish. <laughs> Let me finish. I need a rant about how long it is, though. No, it's, I, I, it's, it's long. So he's like writing it. He's talking, basically talking about the basic injustices of mm-hmm. what's going on. And because he was like arrested in Birmingham for like the fifth time or something. He was mm-hmm. like, why do I keep getting arrested? Because this is like a cause. Like there's this one thing that he said. It was something like that he the 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 lads. So he's part of the church, right? He's right. like the pastor or mm-hmm. like and all that stuff. And he was like. You know, my fellow pastor guys, hey, why are you criticizing me for doing this work? They were. Yeah, they were. Because in Birmingham, something like happened. It was like, I came across a written statement calling my present activities unwise and untimely. And it's like, bro, why are you criticizing me? That's like basically what you're saying. Are they and, all the same race? Uh, I don't know, but okay. it's his okay. fellow clergyman. You know, it's okay. like the Christian Association yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, like later in the letter of what I read, he was talking about how, oh, the, the one part is like, it was like, I was there, I was sitting there, and it was the part, like, I was wide awake while reading it. It was like really intense, and I was like almost like crying, right? So I'm like, I'm here. And it's... So they're like, the people are always telling the African-Americans to wait. Like, it'll be, you'll like, you'll get your equality when it's time. When like, like they're like using the excuse of like, uh, when it's time, when God reveals the equality to the nation. And it's like, and, but they're like, no, we have to fight because injustice is injustice. Yes. Like what he said, what really made me was think about is like, injustice will corrupt all the justice that is already there. Like something to that, that's that, something along the end. And that's I was beautiful. like, that is that's not cool and like the thing is like they're like wait and then he was like you know wait of what we're supposed to do you're gonna keep waiting and like i'm how like what am i supposed to do when you know i have like my hypothetical daughter or whatever and the the new public amusement park on tv is open and she wants to go and how do i tell her that she can't go because no black people are allowed in the amusement right. park and i right. watched the tears well in her eyes and she's like what am i supposed to do then when I, how long am i supposed to wait what am i supposed to say to my daughter i was like bro uh, 
Um, and this is him saying that on the letter? Yeah, he's, that's what he's saying. He said mm-hmm. a bunch of other stuff, you know, like talking about how all these countries and like the like Asia and Europe, they've given the people their rights, right? And like here back in that time, like I don't know, the 60s, like African-Americans still couldn't get served at a lunch counter. Right. And, uh, you know, speaking about his, his peers, uh, the pastors and the other uh, church members, um, the elders, I'm assuming. Um, when you think of is it time, it's not whether when you're separating people's race, it's more like God created everyone to be equal, so we all treat each other the way you want to be treated, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're black, yellow, white, or purple. We all treat people the way we want to be treated. Therefore, if you have rights, I have rights. Isn't that correct? Yeah, but like Whether, that wasn't the uh, that wasn't the sentiment in that time. Obviously, I know he was talking about how like the greatest enemies to the to the um the civil rights movement were the white moderates. So it's like the guy, the people who are like they don't really have a stance. They're not like yeah, we're for it, and they're not like no, we're super against this. We are segregationists. It's like the white moderate people who are just like saying they're doing nothing Mm -hmm. and they're like oh it'll be okay like you Mm -hmm. can get through this like this is a you know things are going to be the way that they're going to be like Mm -hmm. however that ends up and they don't they're like trying to console but like they don't understand because they're the oppressors not the oppressed right you know this is deep this is really deep because martin luther king is a lad Right. Uh, I guess as I would say, <laughs> it's still very strange hearing he's, the word lad. Yeah, come from he, your he is a good, good lad. He's a good lad. And I, he did a lot, I would say, uh, for, for the blacks and the whites. For the whites, he just opened their eyes to see that we are equal mm-hmm. in a way. Um, but this is very interesting in regards to the ap language and composition course i think actually it's a very valid time that you are wasting uh, here on because you have read this letter today and it's like precious literature i suppose and wasn't it the same course that made you read barack obama speech oh right so yeah today i also had to read the inaugural addresses of two different oh police um, i didn't watch the inaugural Inaugur- inaugural <laughs> it's a very strange word inaugural In- the entrance speech yeah basically yeah 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 the acceptance i i, I accept this honor honor to yes. be your president in okay. the cold day of january all right so i don't think i watched that episode of the news that episode of the news <laughs> because i don't have news in the house that was like 2008 i know i didn't have it either anyway um so tell me about that because i don't think i remember that uh, inaugural inaugural well, speech. okay so for that lesson i had like the lesson before that i had to read the inaugural address of john f kennedy <laughs> um i love ap language and composition i don't like this class you are learning so much it like okay it's like it's a good class i suppose. in a way i do learn too you know because i just blah blah to you i guess but i think it's like for me i 
just takes so much time and it gives me headaches. So I don't like what is AP stands for advanced placement. It's practically it's a college level course. Okay. So if I end up passing the test, I get college credit. You you will because you have to uh, one month from now. I'm going to take this test Mm -hmm. and hopefully I can test out. So I don't have to take college English, (laughs) but regardless. So I read the John F. Kennedy inaugural address. And, you know, right all about that. And then the next lesson I had to do, had to compare and contrast the John F. Kennedy um, inaugural address and the Barack Obama inaugural address. But, um, yeah, so I had to comp- I had to read the addresses. And after reading Kennedy's speech at least five times, and his, like, his speech is, like, 1,000 words, because I had to analyze the amount of words and the amount of uh, sentences. I also had to read about, like, the comparisons w- between Kennedy's speech um, George W. Bush's speech and Trump's speech. So, like, all the different speeches and, like, how, inaugur- like, inaugural addresses and the speeches have evolved throughout the years. Why those three? Um, because those are the ones on the article. Oh. Are uh, they all Democrats or Republicans? I don't know. I No, John County was a Democratic president. He was? Yes. Oh. Um, but they were just comparing it on, like, the recent ones. Like, John F. Kennedy is, like, supposedly one of the greatest, um, speech people in all of like american history so do you think so after reading his speech? i mean i suppose like it's not like i read speeches all the time so i can't really like gauge but, like like well, barack obama's you... speech it was like it was good right mm-hmm. like i can identify like different i don't know like not like problems but like they were definitely different because like i obviously had to compare and contrast these essays these right. speeches right? right so like while John F. Kennedy's speech, like, he was, like, really to the point. Like, as what you say, he has lots of calls to action. He's like, together we're going to provide all the rights to all the people and the stuff like, don't ask what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country, you know, that kind of stuff. And, you know, he was talking about how, like, how to be, like, good on the whole world stage. Like, we're going to promote freedom and liberty and the unalienable rights provided by God to every man and woman on the planet, except he only used the word man because that was the general term, which I have lots of qualms about that. I wrote a paper about that, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, for AP Language Composition. Love that. Uh, so maybe I'll link that somewhere. <laughs> you can read my paper. I'm telling you, her papers are awesome. <laughs> uh, my teacher likes my papers. She writes it's beautifully. Mm-hmm. Yes, if you need a writer, cashew nuts right here. I suppose, I suppose. But then, so like his was full, filled with like lots, you know, we're going to do this. Like this is my plan for the administration and this is what we're going to do. And he was like, yeah, this, this is not going to take a hundred days. It's not going to take a thousand days. This might not even be... It might not even be done. The last I like time this lad already, man. Like, he, it, was, it was a good speech. He was like, but we will begin. We will begin for the effort of the freedom and liberty of all the people in the world. Too and bad I was he like, died so early. Yeah, and he, so, that he had, so he did the speech. And then, like, his speech was kind of short. Like I said, it was 1,300 words, maybe um, 27 paragraphs. Remember that? It was 27 oh, paragraphs. Wow. Uh, 56 sentences. Good memory. And, um... Then Barack Obama's speech was considerably longer. It was about double the size. It was 38 paragraphs and 109 sentences. Wow. So um, I think the word count was like 2,000 something something. Tell me the meat of the speech. Okay, so basically his speech, he was not talking about the whole world stage. His was, was more like a, like focusing on the problems of America because when he became president, 
it was the economic recession, right? Yes, it and was. he was like, we and need to figure out the issues and the problems about this economic recession because this is like not a good thing and people are losing jobs. He was he addressed that in like um lots of detail. He was like like listing like what could be all the potential problems. Like it's a good speech. Like I don't really know how to articulate it, but he also talked about um he also talked about briefly about the war in Iraq and, and Afghanistan and um he was mostly talking about how to he was they also talked about the rights as well like because the rights are the foundation of the american government right and like the soul of the american people right and since um these rights he was like we're gonna preserve these as well but while kennedy's speech was more of a speech in which he spoke about everybody joined together to promote freedom around the globe. It was more like Barack Obama's speech was everyone gathering together to better Fix the life. the country now. Of, yes. Of the U.S. U.S. first before we can try to influence the world in other positive mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. And because his, his speech was so long, there was a lot more of a dramatic, poetic element in it. So he was very descriptive. He had a lot of descriptive language. Um, but I saw that both both men used um, used the same rhetorical strategies. So that because it was like a persuasive, like you you're like believe me, I know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Like I am your president now. Mm-hmm. Like listen to me. So so they used a lot of the same like descriptive language. But Obama's speech, obviously, since it was literally double the size. Like I read an article, the guy was like Obama's speech was too long, and I was like. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was there and I was sitting there. I was like, yeah, I could probably stop right now and still get the gist of what he was saying. But do you think now that you read his speech and knowing that it was too long, do you think if he cut it, do you think it would have been less effective? Exactly. Okay. So listen, like I didn't personally think it was too long. Like me. I because it was very engaging, it was, right? It was, like, thing is, if I had been listening and watching, thing is, like, I'm reading transcripts, so it's not the same. Like, you read a transcript, and it's just a big, huge block of text, right? And you're like, ah, this is not great. But I feel like if you were listening to it and, like, watching it, maybe, like, it'd be different because you, like, see the guy, he has the special intonation, you know, he talks about, like, the way that they, the, the intonation and, like, the gestures and the facial expressions, it's like, it's, it's like a whole, it's a whole thing. But, um... I mean, I know that John F. Kennedy's speech was like 15 minutes long, 14, 15 minutes long. And then considering President Obama's speech was probably like 30 minutes around there if we're like talking about the same size. But I feel like, I mean, like if it had been shortened, probably he would have found a way to make it equally as effective. But the length, I thought it was pretty good. Like it was, it was, it was, it was a decent speech and it was like, it was good. So like good speech and so i analyzed that and did my chart and hopefully the lady liked my chart because she gave me a zero at first she was like here's your temporary zero for not doing this and i was like please don't give me temporary zeros but the 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 thing is that you compared jfk with obama and that was one assignment but then you said that you compared um uh, JFK to George Washington. George Wa- I mean, George W. I'm Bush. Sorry, George <laughs> W. Bush, and the current president. Um, well, what, I didn't do a full blown assignment on that. I just read an article, um, and I think I, 
Um, I, it was more of an article talking about the evolution of uh, inaugural addresses, talking about the kind of language that they used, which I thought was really interesting because they shifted the... One thing that I thought was really cool was the, um, the grade levels of... Because, you know, like, you listen to a speech and you, like, you want to be able say to understand that, yes, the speech, you, right? want, you have to write... Uh, Something for everyone to understand. Actually, in um, eighth or third grade level. Really? Something like that. Well, so everyone uh, understands. Yeah. So, um, um, I, like, back in, like, the first inaugural address... Uh, no, I think it was John Adams. It was one of the really early presidents, but his his speech was at such a level that it was 17th grade. So you would have had to gone into 17 years of school. So that's like out of college. It's like college. It's out of college. It's like graduate school. You would have to right. like been a postgraduate to be able student, to understand. To be able to fully whole... understand wow, that speech. Wow, must be very complex. And one of the latest speeches. Um, I don't know who it was. But it was recently. It was I think it was either one of the Bushes or um, somebody around that time. But the level was sixth grade. Like they've totally made it so it's way more easy yeah. for people to understand. Which which is it's really the good. proper way. It's like it's because like not everyone has gone to college and will understand like really complex words like asunder. Like what does that mean? I I, I like what is asunder? Um I. <laughs> It's kind of weird. Cause I don't know. I really don't. I was using context clues <laughs> the whole it, time I was reading the sentence. But um, I think that the levels, the the John F. Kennedy and President Obama speech, they have the basically the same grade level. Like they're both like eleventh, twelfth grade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think President Obama's speech was college graduates level because of the language he used because he used like really fancy words sometimes yeah um but like some of them was some of them like have gotten really low but the basic readability like the lexile level like you can read it it's all practically the same it's like Mm -hmm. eighth grade like Mm -hmm. people like as long as you have been eighth grade you can probably understand the speech right right and they started using different types of language like they stopped using shall and started using will which is makes i don't know because like shall makes you seem pretentious for some reason it's like i shall do this so it's like no i will do this like it's like different mm-hmm. and um and it's funny too because when you say shall even though shall and will kind of means, means the same, same thing, thing yeah. but shall means like not pretentious it but it like means like a, like, a, like a royal order am i to do the same thing or I, yeah it's like, you know it's just it's like it's a really strange word and they also switched from using personal like first person singular pronouns like i will do this um this is my administration it's more like we yes it was switched to the more like inclusive to make it seem like the people were included so right. it was more it's, they shift they like like i all of the speeches from a long time ago they like the thing is, like, they all differed in length. Like, some of them were really short. Like, I remember, like, that George Washington's second inaugural address was four paragraphs long and, like, 135, like, 135 words. That is words. nothing yeah. to these guys. And, and, but, like, the readability was ridiculously high. Like, like, not, like, the grade level. Like, it was really high, but it was really short. So and he only had fancy folks? Well, the thing is, back in the day, long time ago in the history, like when the first, they weren't presenting it to everybody. Oh, it's not like it is today in the cold. It it was, they, it was like the same time, right? It was probably the cold, but it was in like a building. 
And it okay. was um, okay. the people, like the political people. Okay. It was like to the members of Congress. Okay, it and, makes sense in a way. And like that, that was back then because then they realized, wait, we need to start making this so everyone can read when the radio was invented. Right. So then, because they, I think it was like uh, Coolidge, that guy, the Coolidge guy. I can never remember the name, the first name of that guy, but the Coolidge guy. I think that's his last name. Mm-hmm. I think when he was inaugurated, that was on the radio, and they're like, we need to make it so everyone. Can can hear this everyone can understand over the radio because mm-hmm. that was the first thing to be widely broadcast right like they would transcribe it in the newspaper and the people would read it like back a long time ago uh-huh. but with this coolidge lab they made it so he they kind of like made it so everyone could understand and not just the members of congress they're like the so they, they lower are, the yeah. level of the English yeah, language. Yeah, so then everyone could understand. Got it. And then nowadays, things are being televised. Like, every like people, like, tune in for this kind of stuff. Like Social you don't media. Have, yeah, and you people don't have, go there. Yeah, you don't have to be, like, you don't have to walk all the way to freaking Washington, D.C. to, like, hear the speech That anymore. is correct. You can just, like, turn on your television. That or, like, is correct. go on the internet. And yep. then you can find the speeches. Yep, yep. So, like, so obviously, like, you have to So the speeches, readable. the speeches... From all these presidents, of course, they are all like good and positive, even though the times and the issues they are addressing could be good or not good. But they are all speeches that you, after you hear, you're hopeful for a better tomorrow. Well, which I would say... With the, I would say that Obama's speech was more like that. Okay. Um, I think like because um he was always he was addressing like things that were like issues, right? Because that was the time where like Muslims were like they were like still really attacked like Muslims, and he was like, you know, this is America. We all have come from somewhere for a better life, and like here mm-hmm. you are an American. Here are your rights, and mm-hmm. like we have the same rights, and like we're all included. It's like to the Muslim world, like we like it's really it was like really hopeful it was like we are gonna like do better like right. under this administration and like make sure everyone is included with uh whereas kennedy's speech it was more like they weren't talking about like inclusive the stuff they were talking more about because kennedy it was the era of nuclear war where it was you know remember when we went to a spyscape no you weren't there i it was me and p went mm-hmm. through the whole spyscape museum which i do remind, recommend in new york they have the spyscape museum super cool super awesome totally go like 100 percent do mm-hmm. it so um there was the cuban missile crisis where it was like a week or something or like three four days where like everyone thought the world was literally going to end because there were like missiles pointed at the united states like legit like everyone knew mm-hmm. and like john f kennedy had to de-escalate the situation really quickly and not to make any hasty mood because like some people I think that they almost got fired on, but this one guy, like, they needed everyone's approval. This people, like, bound down in, like, Cuba, and there was, like, it was Russia also helping, too, because Russia mm-hmm. supplied Cuba with the missiles because they are both communist governments, you mm, know. Mm, mm. It was a really big mess, and, like, the only reason why we didn't get fired on is because this one captain lad was like, no, um, I don't, like, I'm not going to accept for this to be deployed. And that's the, the only... This captain one, one guy, yeah. yeah. And everyone else is like, yes, let's fire the missiles. And you need it's it. funny because the majority actually win, but yeah, this but guy was able to stop the whole thing. Well, that's it awesome. It wasn't like he stopped it. It was like, it was the rule. It's like how, you know, like to impeach somebody, you need a certain amount of votes right, in Congress. Right, right. And otherwise it won't work. So I guess maybe it was like unanimous. Mm-hmm. So like everyone had to agree, but this guy was like, nah. And everyone was like, come on. <laughs> 
Because that's like, that's how it always Leo, is. ready. It's like, dude, like, please. Vamanos, vamanos. I suppose, yeah. And <laughs> so, so, so it didn't work. Like, they didn't, right. they didn't fire. And so because good. they were going through that time. It was more focused on denuclearization. Right. Like, talking about, like, going into, like, negotiations and, like, mm-hmm. not fearing negotiation, mm-hmm. but negotiating um the fear out of it it was one of those yeah but you know like speaking of fear though when we compare all these speeches and whether they bring hope or whether they bring happiness or whether they bring uh good thoughts for the people listening Mm -hmm. they are totally different from what we were talking about what Martin Luther King wrote. Yeah. Because he, even though he was writing, probably the day he was writing that letter, he didn't think it was going to go to the public. He probably was just venting. Was it like a journal? Or did he really meant... It was a legitimate letter. Because they had, these clergymen had sent their grievances. It was like, this was a bad idea. You shouldn't have done this. And he was writing a response. In the first first line, it was like, normally I don't respond to like these critics telling me because if I did, I would spend my entire life at my desk responding to critics. I would get nothing done. And Mm -hmm. I was like, "Uh, actually, that's like so true. Yeah. And that's like something that everyone should take. Because you you can make everybody happy. So he was like, keep doing your thing. And he's like, he's like, just because I know you, I'm going to respond to this because I can like set the record straight. And then he ends up writing like, Five thousand words about no, this kind of stuff. I mean, obviously speech, he had a lot of time because he was in jail for like right. eleven days. It wasn't so. a speech, but it was a, 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 a response letter, letter yeah. which was pretty outstanding. From what you're telling me, because I didn't hear or <laughs> yes. or, or read about it. I want to go back to though. I just wanted to. The reason why I mentioned the, the the letter was because I wanted to just to touch base on the energy that the letter was portraying from oh, the yeah. energy that all the speeches were portraying. Like the speeches, you the know? inaugural addresses, they were more like trying to build confidence right. in both the people and the new administration. You know, like just like, yes, this is the right idea. We did the right thing. Even the people who didn't vote for the people was like, okay, like I can kind of see where this guy's coming from. Mm-hmm. I can like believe in him. Um, but for Martin Luther King's uh, letter, it was not a hopeful thing. It was more like it was kind of like kind of gritty, you know, because it was kind of like confronting the facts mm-hmm. about like all the things, like how hard it was, and he was still trying to promote nonviolent protests. Awesome. He was like this: the tension that a nonviolent protest makes is one that is absolutely necessary for change to occur. Because um, he's such a bright person. It was real. He? You know, I also read, I was reading a timeline. He went to college at 15 years old. And I was like, bro, I am going to college at 16. <laughs> I'm practically Martin Luther King. No, but like. No, but he's just so bright. It was really cool. And I was I was really, really impressed. Yeah. The speech. No, the, no. The, the I, sweater, I, right? I, I, am, I am a fan of Martin Luther King for what the things that he believed that he went after it's just really beautiful to said that he couldn't do it for long, mm-hmm. but it is an outstanding example of kindness. Yeah. That's what he is. And I was in ethnic studies, another one of my classes in which I take a bunch of notes and like practically die. But ethnic studies is a very good class. If you're, if you should take ethnic studies, it's kind of like the time where it's going into like 
years after um, they were liberated, all the slaves. It's kind of gruesome. Like, I, like, could not read what I was reading. But when I was reading ethnic studies, like, Martin Luther King, like, he fell out of favor with the black community because they were, they were, like, at one point they were doing this march and then he went to, like, this bridge. I don't remember which march it was or which, but it was, like, one of the marches. And they were, like, but he turned around. And everyone else went on. Everyone was like, what? You, like, just basically betrayed the entire march. But the thing is, like, he made a deal with the people because the, uh, the police officers or the government in that area, the white police officers and the white government, it's like, we don't want this protest. Like, we don't want this right now. And we, like, don't, like, if you do, we'll probably, like, show force or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so he made an agreement, like, that nobody really knew about. And he, like, turned around. He was like, okay, I'm going. And everyone was angry. He was like, why are they you... They didn't understand. It's not that they didn't understand. It was like they felt betrayed mm. because their cause, why? their nonviolent protests for, mm-hmm. like, rights, there was, like, the guy who was leading the protest, the rights lab. Right. He's, like, turn around. And so nobody wanted to, like, speak with him. And, like, like his friends, like, stopped talking to him. Lots of other... Um, people who were civil rights advocates, like, like, were like, this guy. But the thing is, they didn't understand his strategy. Well, it wasn't that. It was just like, I don't know. He was trying to prevent a conflict. Mm-hmm. But it got to a point where, like, I read in the timeline that I was reading um, that, like, he ended up, like, people were trying to, like, stone him and stuff. Like, the really, like, the, the extremists, like, the black mm-hmm. power extremists. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think it was, like, the black Muslim, because that was a thing going on with, like, um, um, Malcolm X and all that kind of stuff. Yes, and you know Malcolm X. Yeah, that's a, a, a another a, a fella that it's um, something, but from that time. But this is the second time you have mentioned Muslims, and um, another assignment from oh, your yes. oh, class was for you to read a memoir. Okay, this... and I would love to discuss that memoir because of all that it represents. I know that you thought to read the memoir was a pain, but the message of that book was actually pretty powerful. Okay, yeah. So um, for a couple lessons ago, I was assigned a memoir. Um, Actually, I was assigned this memoir uh, back in March, one exactly one month ago, but I just finished the memoir um, this weekend. And uh, I like it was I got, we got to pick which memory we wanted to choose, um, wanted to read. And I had we went and I looked, and I chose uh, reading Lolita in Tehran, which uh, by like Azar Nafisi. I don't know if I'm saying it right, and gosh, if I'm not, like I'm sorry. I'm literally an American. I am. I apologize. But um, I read that because I thought I was like, oh, this is interesting. So like it's from Iran. Um, and Iran. I get. I told you I'm an American. <laughs> I apologize, but it's set in Iran, Iran, whatever. Okay, Iran, Iran, <laughs> and um, the the whole premise is like this lady. Um, she starts this like book club with some of her English literature students. So she's a professor, and and they meet in her house every Thursday for two years discussing English literature. And like obviously this is super illegal. Like you're not supposed to be doing this. So and let me let me ask you a question there. I do not know the laws that the ladies have to abide in Iran. I don't know the the uh, the, 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 the the regime of the faith and what they well, have to go through. They- but you said that they they couldn't be reading these books. 
Is it illegal to read or is it illegal to read about American Well, um, the thing is, like, so stories. it was the Islamic, the Islamic state that was taking over. Like, keep in mind, Iran wasn't always like this. Like, mm-hmm. after the revolution in 1979, that's when the Islamic, like, Islamic state took over and made everything, like, absolute living hell. Like... Literally, when I was reading, I was like, haha, bro. So, what was before? So, what was did before? They, they, did they have like something so different? The lady, um, the author, she um, sort of like told about before mm-hmm. and after. Okay. So, she split it up into four parts based around four different, different authors or different mm-hmm. books. It was kind of weird, and one of the things that the qualms that I had with the book that the thing was totally non-linear and not in chronological order, and it was really screwing with me. By the way, uh, who's speaking right now is the critic Kashu, uh, uh, no yeah. longer the historian Kashu or the analyst Kashu. I probably should like start a blog about <laughs> things that I because I it's I mean, to the point where we I have a podcast that's what we're talking I know, about but things. it comes to the point where I do it with movies too like every single movie that I watch I'm like when the, the credits roll I was like alright here are all the problems that I had with this movie and everyone gets so annoyed so the book, going right? about the book again mm-hmm. right um, they were not able to read is that what okay, so um, so the book set up into four parts the four different authors or whatever. So the first part was when she started the book club, right? And the second part goes back to when she was a college student and she went to college in America, in Oklahoma. Really? Um, at the University of Oklahoma. And then oh. she went back to the to Iran and um, became the professor. And then the first, the middle two sections detailed her time as a professor. But um, it wasn't, like, illegal. The thing is, like, they were always, like, you know, death to America. They're, like, burning American flags. And, like, Western culture was, like, you are westernized and decadent. That was one thing that they said all the time. Right. Westernized and decadent. And that was, like, not good. Like, you're, like, you want to be, like, good Muslim person. So what would happen if someone saw them doing that? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it was, like, them reading the English literature because it was taught in school. Like, they, okay. they read these things in class. Like, okay. she literally went and read the... She, like, was like, yes, you're going to read The Great Gatsby. But it was always a really big ordeal in these classes because uh, it was, like, really... There were lots of conservative students. There were, like, the conservative mm-hmm. students and the progressive students. And we are talking about ladies here only? No, or? like, she taught men and women okay. in the university. Okay. Um, but her book club, her little book group, was women from her classes. Okay. Like, she thought was the people who appreciated literature the most. All right. And, um, you know, like, there's a point, one point in the book where I found it mildly humorous was they put the Great Gatsby on trial. <laughs> it was a fake mock trial in which there was a judge prosecution defendant and she played the book as okay. and and they had people come up and you know there, there was the, this one guy who was like a pain in the neck he was so annoying he was he and he was really really conservative he was like this is the way that we should act like you know and he was like he's he like went on this whole like five ten minute spiel about how like this was in, like morally decayed and he talks about like the adultery and the glitz and the glam and the material life and like this is not 
what God wants us to be like because you either, there's one, there are two sides. There's a side where you are for God and the side where you are for the enemies of Satan. <laughs> and I would, or something like that. And I was like, whoa, okay, dude, chill out. And he's like, he's like, he's that like, is so great, great Gatsby. It, it, it was, <laughs> it was really crazy because I mean, I know, I get where he's coming from because you know, great Gatsby isn't exactly like really like wholesome, good content for you to be feeding your children. Isn't that funny how great Gatsby is such an, um, a book that they give to children to read and in like what what elementary no usually you read that in middle school or high school i remember still, i read that for still. fun back in the fifth grade i was like oh this seems like a good book to read <laughs> um i was bored out of my mind i was like what is this guy saying f scott fitzgerald this guy <laughs> And I never read it again. I haven't watched the movie. I, I did watch the movie. I did watch the movie. I didn't. I I started the book, but I didn't finish. But I watched the movie. I mean, it's a and piece of it's classic n- literature. It is just not a. It's not really a great story. Lit- for for children the, to be reading. The ending. Well, I mean, it's it's good for like I know English lit. But um, <laughs> the analyzing of uh, Gatsby's life and like things that like, the movie did different. Like he lived in the movie, but in mm-hmm. the book he's dead. He's like on a, he's somebody oh, killed he, him. He he died too in the book in the movie. Did he really? I yeah, he yeah. was writing a book too. No, the Great Gatsby. No, or something. I don't know. It's been a long time. But regardless, so you know, like. They, lots of the books were forbidden. That's the thing. Like they were, the bookstores wouldn't sell them anymore. They, because all of the Amer- the English bookstores are being like closed down by the government because like you're promoting ideas and things that aren't okay in our in our culture. And so they had to like photocopy. They had oh, they really? had like um like the the author had like maybe like two copies of like some of the books and then she was had the photocopies and put them in plastic sleeves and gave them to all her girls for them to oh, read wow. but so most of them had these plastic photocopies instead of the actual novel and you know it, they, they had like i don't they, like for some reason they didn't get arrested for for reading know, for reading the english literature mm-hmm. or whatever but i maybe it was because like it's showing you what Western culture is like in order to like this is bad like this is what yeah. Western culture is. This lady seems to be a well-educated lady. Yes, she's well-traveled. Yes, and but I'm assuming not every lady in that culture is in the same situation. Oh yeah, so, definitely. Like she, um, she was expelled from her profe- her teaching position in the first college she taught at, the University of Tehran, I think. Because she refused to wear the headscarf. Really? Um, Why did she do that? Because she did not believe in compulsory headscarf. I th- they they call it the veil, and I didn't know what the veil was. Like mm-hmm. I was like, is that the headscarf? Is that the chador? Which is the thing where it's the full body covering. You just see the little moon of your face. Mm. And then there are like several different like coverings for women that I ended up looking up. Like the burqa. I saw the burqa, which is like everything is like this little 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 grate for your eyes. Like mm-hmm. the whole thing is covered. You can't even see anything. It's just, so only they can see out. It's really crazy. And I was wow. like. Like, aren't you hot? You're literally in Iran. It's black usually. Uh, yeah, it's like black, usually really dark colors because mm-hmm. like, so, um. Why do they choose such a dark colors? Because it's so hot I don't, there. that's just like the compulsive, like, because light colors are considered decayed and westernized. Is that right? Yes, that's what I read. Oh, wow. They would all, they would, because, you know, they, the, the school girls would get, um, get their shoelaces taken if they were colored. They, they weren't allowed to paint their nails. One of the girls who were in the book club, she always wore gloves. And but sometimes the morality check people would be like, take off your gloves, and then she would take take them off, 
and they would see their pain and nails like force and she forced her to take to like get remove them or whatever they weren't allowed to have nails that were too long otherwise that was considered decadent and westernized weren't allowed to wear makeup so they would like scrub their faces like the morality check people and And how far and how often these morality morality they were patrolling all over the place like they walk around the streets to make sure women are following the rules and it's funny women are following the rules yeah and the thing is like because like the men they i don't know because i guess i suppose like some people like aren't concerned about it but the men like there were some rules for the men as well but it wasn't like as how to dress it was more like how to treat a woman um, um it was like uh, a good muslim man does not look a good muslim woman in the eyes so they never looked at she they like i remember like one of the girls she was um her so suitor um they could to see like her potential date boyfriend or whatever uh-huh. and he would not look at her he would look straight only and she would like try to get him to look at her like she would like walk fast uh-huh. and then abruptly stop and like try to like get him to look at her like and also because there's lots of family pressures and stuff and it was like it's, it's really it's really crazy oh wow but like the book it was an interesting look into like muslim life and to like Muslim women and like how this lady, how literature and books were so like classic, you know, English literature was so important to her, like throughout her, like her life. And I thought that was interesting, but you know, I ended up rating it like a two out of five because I personally thought, you know, the nonlinear thing threw me so far. I got whiplash every single time she started talking about things 20 years in the future. And I was like, what are you talking about? You were talking about 1979. Okay, but besides the way she organized the memoir and just thinking about of the story itself, it's actually an eye-opening to someone like you. Yes, definitely. That you live... You live your life with total freedom. Yeah. And when you think of a 16-year-old, I mean, you just turned 16, but think about that 16-year-old girl out there right now and all the things that she can't do. Yeah. It's really, it's really, um, really crazy. Like, I was reading it and I was like, wow, you know, like, kind of glad that I live in the United States. Um, because, like, I don't have to deal with having to, like, cover my hair, like, compulsory. Because, like, the thing is, like, people, the only reason why some people were fighting the compulsory, like, headscarf, the compulsory veil, was because, like, sure, they supported the headscarf. Like, yes, like, you're, you're a Muslim woman. Like, yeah, I get, yes, you can go ahead and wear it because that's, you're the thing that you want to wear for your own personal religious reasons. Mm -hmm. But making everybody wear it was, I don't know, like, uh, it was, like, oppressive, which I understand because if people were wearing certain clothes I didn't that I didn't want to wear then I suddenly was like you're forced to wear these Gucci shoes like I don't want to wear the Gucci shoes like they're mm-hmm. kind of ugly like mm-hmm. don't and like everyone has to wear them it's like the standard but the funny thing though is that it might sound ridiculous but in a way kind of makes sense why they are doing it I guess, but it's... When you think about they that... They have no freedom of choice, the women. I know, that, which is that, that that's the bad part, okay? That's the bad part. But what they are doing to not trigger temptation and sin. But that doesn't work because a lot of the girls who were in the book club, they were like raped by their uncles, by their... Oh, and then, God. And they're like their fathers and stuff. And like 
the people who like they were like married to were always like looking at other people like even though like they are totally covered like there's nothing to look at but they would still be like making eyes at them or whatever or they would always like be like cheating or whatever like well it's not all of them but like some of the ones that i like one of the girls she got raped by her uncle at, last, at like 12 or something oh my goodness. because like they were he was tutoring her and then he would like you know Dude. you know not good like content you know it was like because but then like they would always claim to be like protecting them no it would always be like 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 you know how they wear like the the chidors and the headscarves and stuff they were like they were <laughs> this one dude said like this one girl said that some guy said to her or reported her to the morality check police or whatever because he saw like a like a flash of her like white skin and was sexually aroused by it are you serious yes and it was like 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 one strand of hair and he was like this is not okay and she's like i literally didn't i like it was one strand of hair out of my headscarf can you imagine can you just imagine but when you that this these rules and stories I swear it reminds me of Handsmaid's Tale. We don't have to talk about Handsmaid's Tale. No, but I don't they are not they are not Muslims. They are Christians. But the way they behave it's it's exactly the same way though the whole premise of the story. Yeah. Like the women wear a certain dress and always the same dress so yeah. they don't bring attention too mm-hmm. much attention and it is just like crazy it's, how this stuff weird. happens yeah it was like there was like another thing it was like it was like good virgin virgin muslim wives or whatever and like it was crazy because the the um they have the age where you're allowed to marry right mm-hmm. the girls and at first because it was like there was it was 12 and then I think they upped it to eight, but then they dropped not to up it to eighteen, but then they dropped to all the way down to eight years old. The, oh my the, god! So like grown men were marrying eight year old girls. Oh no, I don't want. Oh. And I was please. like, I was like, oh my gosh! Like like their parents would like can like they would be like, this is this is fine. This is so. Oh, I was this is like, just what wrong. are you guys doing? I'm so confused. This is wrong. So you know, like the memoir. Um, all in all, total review. Like, totally putting aside my confusion about the timeline and totally putting aside my confusion about some of the structural things that she did. Well, I'd understand why she did it, but it still, like, messed with me. Um, Putting all that aside, um, the book, it was very good. Her prose is excellent. Her Like, the way that she um, puts her words onto the paper and relates her her life and, like, to these books is really incredible. And her story is really powerful and bringing light to like i guess i don't her book wasn't about bringing light to the atrocities of the islamic state in iran it was more about these women being powerful and surviving this kind of stuff and a lot of them like moved away to the west Mm -hmm. that they had been told that it was like so bad but it was like they had more freedoms there right so they could do what they wanted and so one of the girls she like she smuggled herself out because they wouldn't issue her a passport so she like got smuggled out she was like i need to leave mm-hmm. and like they never heard from her again like they know that she arrived safely in england but mm-hmm. they never heard from her again and and you know like it's it was like it's a good book if you're not bored easily like because i was so distracted i could not i could not sit down and read it but it was the con, the content. There's a reason why I rated like 
two out of five because it was still salvageable. It was mm. like, it was still, <laughs> it's not, sa- like, okay, so how about better yet out of 10? I rated it a 4.5 out of 10 and it was good, like, but it was like not excellent in my taste. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. It's, um, the whole story was bad and um yeah it's just it's just sad but actually eye-opening yeah um, it really was from from what we live right mm-hmm. um so i'm glad that ap language and composition is really giving you the opportunity to see all this i know the course is super intense and it's meant to be intense because it's a college co- course but it's actually every single assignment brings a brand new thing that yeah you are reading and thinking about it so yeah, I, I appreciate think it's more that interesting uh, i it's i learn things even though it takes forever to do all of the assignments and the comprehensive analyses or whatever like the stuff that i read is pretty it's pretty cool sometimes so well bring it on oh, bring it on more and more please AP. no please this is the last ap course i'm taking thank god because i'm graduating but then i have to deal with this as normal courses when i get into college well i appreciate your knowledge you are very bright and i hope everyone else appreciate all the explanation and analysis analysis that you did so Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. If you ever want to hear more about my many, many, many analysis and criticisms, please let me know because I have a lot of that. <laughs> I need someone to tell about how much I dislike Aquaman. So oh, wow. we can talk about that on a later date. But thank you guys for listening. Um, go read a book or something because that's really good for you. Go yes. read a book. Um, I'll see you guys later. Yes. Bye-bye. Goodbye, guys. podcast is brought to you by me and my mom the editing is done by me and the music is done by my mom and GarageBand. if you want to check us out on any of our social media you can find us on instagram and facebook as confess coco and youtube as confessions of coconuts where we post all of our cool adventures of us being zany and eating a bunch of cool food and stuff if you want to get in touch with us you can go to any of our social media if you want to donate you can go to our website confessionsofcoconuts.com And go to the donate page and drop some spare change while you're at it. While you're there, you might as well go visit the show notes and subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe because you're going to subscribe to all podcasts. And I know you love us because you're listening right now. It'd be cool if you could share us on whatever social media you have. And just get the word out so we can continue to bless other people's ears with our amazing voices and our silly stories. The podcast is a lot of work, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. And we truly thank you for listening. On that note, leave a review. Thank you so much.